Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Oh, another beast from the east. That's about as much now as we need on top of wondering what the hell is going on with the vaccines. What can we have? What can't we have? When will we get it? Why can't we buy them ourselves rather than having the EU buy them for us? Which, by the way, there's nothing to stop us doing that if we wanted to. And now the beast from the east again... We'll find out in a little while what exactly is going to happen with our weather. We'll check in with our weatherman at UCC and find out if we really are going to get battered next week. 1850-715-996, the number to call the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. The email, opinion at 96vm.ie. We'll also try to find out during the morning what is going on with the vaccines. What is the story with the vaccines? And what's going to happen now that they've said... That AstraZeneca, yes, grand, it's perfectly safe, it's fine, great, but they're not going to give it to the over 70s. So what's happening? We'll try and put some meat on those bones and try and help you to understand it as we go through the morning. Because going through the various newspapers and news sites, it is all a mite confusing, to say the very, very least. Good morning to you. Let us go first, though, to County Kerry and to a court case that unfolded yesterday where a young man... A man called Patrick O'Brien from Ashley Downs in Tralee County, Kerry, was given the Probation Act. He was given the Probation Act, which means he doesn't have a conviction. After he pleaded guilty to harassing the soccer star Ian Wright and sending him messages by phone that were obscene and menacing. This happened during an Instagram conversation. Ian Wright subsequently issued a statement, which I'll get to. In a moment, Ian Wright is not happy at all about what happened in the court yesterday. Basically, Patrick O'Brien now does not have a conviction, even though he pleaded guilty. I think the first thing to do is probably check in with Anne Mooney of the Irish Sun, who was in court. And maybe you can explain that, Anne, for us, if you would. He pleaded guilty, but he now doesn't have a conviction. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Uh, yes, that's the case. Um, this was um, a case where he had pleaded guilty. Uh, it was the fourth time that he was in court and it was brought to a conclusion yesterday. But he had pleaded guilty to um, to two charges of, of harassing and um, he the judge decided that um, he, he wasn't vindictive in what he actually did. Uh, that the probation report was uh, very... Was an, there was a five-page probation report pre- prepared by the 
Probation and Welfare Service. And uh, he actually, uh, in that day, uh, they said that it was very unlikely that he would re-offend, that uh, he was uh, extremely sorry for what he had done. And uh, so the judge decided that he would, rather than, than have him have a criminal conviction, conviction, that he would apply the Probation Act. Now, the Probation Act effectively means that um, O'Brien walked free from court uh, without um, a smear on his character and uh, without any criminal conviction. So it'll never come up on, say, a Garda vetting search or anything like that? Um, it possibly may come up on a Garda vetting, um, but it is regarded as uh, as a, non, a non-conviction. non So have, yeah. it wouldn't have, be brought up in court. Remind us again, Anne, what actually happened to pr- well, bring this case about. Well, what actually happened, PJ, was that um, this young lad was playing um, a, a FIFA tournament game with a friend um, and he decided that he would bring in a legend and he chose Ian Wright, who, as you know, is a former British international um, footballer and a former Arsenal player. And uh, he's also a TV pundit, so he would be very familiar to oh, yeah. Global star, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So anyway, he brought in um, the footy ace as his legend, um, but he lost the match. And in losing the match, he felt that Wright was the one who had let the side down. So then he decided to vent his anger by sending 20 absolutely vile and racist messages um, to the to, to the footballer um, on his private messaging on Instagram. So they didn't go out into the general arena. These were ones that he sent on a, a privately to Ian yeah. Wright. But because the, um, the they were they were literally, I mean, PJI heard them in court, and they were absolutely gobsmackingly awful. And this they was were, over a video game. This was over a video game that he lost, and so decided that he was going to take it out on the player that he felt had let him down. But like uh, as I say, PJ, they were so they were so vile and they were so racist. Um, they called him all sorts of names, including using the N word. And um, but there was worse than that, to be honest. Crikey, it doesn't uh, get much worse than that, Anne. Oh, oh no, they were really crazy, Honestly, I mean, I'm in this business a long time, and and seriously, these were really really bad. Um, so he literally. Um, sent these and uh, then because in one of them the only one that really we could we could publish was effectively a death threat in that uh, he told Dean Wright that he had played like a 65 year old and that if he got coronavirus that he would cough in his face and give him a death sentence and uh, he said that if he if he saw Dean Wright that he would put him on his deathbed over oh, so, a bloody video game I can't get my head around this end I know, um, and and you know the the awful thing about it is that, like he did plead guilty then to two charges of harassing right, and it was on this incident happened on the eleventh of May uh, last year, and he pleaded guilty to uh, sending by telephone a message that was grossly offensive, obscene, and menacing. Actually, that doesn't really sum it up very well, but. Well, uh, well, Anne, we know each other a long time and we've sat through some fairly hairy court cases next next to each other in, in press boxes. You don't shock easy and this stuff shocked you. No, this one really did shock me, I have to say. Um, now, he, the, the, 
he's 18 and uh, he is now a student in in Tralee uh, Institute of Technology. Um, but at the time, um, the judge decided that he wanted to get a probation report before he made any decision on what his sentencing, um, what is it, what way he would sentence uh, this teenager. So um, the probation, probation uh, service provided a five-page report um, and said that um, they felt that what had happened was as a result of immaturity um, and that it was unintended and that the remarks were not as a result of a belief held by the teenager. To be honest, PJ, at 18, you would even wonder how you would come up with some of the awful uh, words that he used um, in in conveying his anger to uh, to Ian Wright. Was, was Ian Wright represented in court? No, Ian Wright wasn't represented in court, um, but the previous hearing, um, he had sent two victim impact statements and had said that he would have been in court, but for the travel restrictions due to coronavirus. Um, so he actually said in one of those that he forgave the young lad uh, but he said that he was absolutely shocked and horrified at the racism um, he he had experienced. And because it was so bad, he decided to put it out into the public arena uh, rather than, than leave it as a private message. So that's how it got out there, into the public arena. It was that, that Ian Wright himself actually tweeted the screenshots of the messages that he had received from Patrick O'Brien on Instagram. So... Uh, now, to be honest, BJ, as you know yourself with social media, um, that was immediately picked on. And um, the young lad and his his family were subjected in turn to an absolute tirade of abuse from all quarters, from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you put the two names into, um, into a, a search programme, they, they come up with millions of, you know, hits and everything else. So so the, the family actually um, underwent a lot of, of agro as well, which isn't surprising, uh, considering the, the, the climate that we live in, when everybody feels that they have to have a go at everybody else. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, the family... Um, the family is a good family, and uh, this young fellow was never in trouble before. Um, so because of that, Judge Waters uh, decided that there was nothing to be gained by imposing a criminal conviction on him. Um, I suppose, in a sense, when you when you have a 19-year-old who's a student in front of you and um, you take all the circumstances into consideration, the fact that he hadn't a previous conviction, that he had pleaded guilty at a very early stage, um, he had spent, he had put, made a, a 500-euro donation from his own pocket money to the Irish Network Against Racism. He had also written personally to um, to write to express his remorse, and he has undergone a racism awareness course. Okay. So when you take all that together, you know you can you can see where the judge was coming from. He has taken a number of necessary boxes to mitigate for himself, indeed. Well, yes. well, too, yes. Uh, yes. But, uh, and plus the fact that if a young person like that, and I think a lot of young people don't realise it. But if you have a criminal conviction, then it's extremely difficult to get visas to other countries like the United States and, 
you know, travel uh, if you want to work abroad uh, becomes extremely difficult if you have a criminal conviction. I have you. So I I suppose when you take all those factors into consideration, then um, then that's that's going to all mount up to lead to to the probation. I suppose Uh, you you have to put yourself, I guess, for a second into the position of the judge taking everything into account and trying to come up with something. And you know, PJ, that you and I have been in court where where kids have come up, um, you know, for drug use or whatever, you know, and it's a once-off appearance. It's the first time the parents are there with them. And this young lad's mother was with him throughout the whole process. Um, and I think all of that sort of, uh, you know, when, when, when the judge sees that the parents are supportive and that they're there and they're going to literally do do everything in their power to um, to help the child, then I think that's also um, a, a huge factor. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Ian Wright himself um, did. I think the judge took the fact that Ian Wright said that he forgave um, O'Brien as a sign that um, he didn't expect, um, you know, a huge sentence or criminal conviction imposed. Yeah, his statement, which I, I have in front of me, Anne, and and I'll take 30 seconds to read it if you don't mind let's take everything into account that you've just said and and, and told our listeners and I, I thank you for the detail Ian Wright then issued a statement I've seen today's judgment and I'm disappointed the case was never about revenge it was always about consequences for acts of racism my forgiveness of this young man was for my own deeply personal need and desire to move forward without further anguish I'm a 57 year old man was experienced racism throughout my life. I wasn't expecting my forgiveness to be an invitation to lighten a sentence. Seeing this judgment, I can only wonder what deterrent there is for anyone else who spouts this kind of vile racist abuse. An individual wished death upon me because of my skin colour. No judge's claims of naivete or immaturity will ever be acceptable to us. The supposed immaturity and naivety of our attackers is never any comfort. So yeah, I am disappointed. I'm tired. We are all tired. Signed, Ian Wright. That's a, that's an interesting statement. Um, yes, it, it's very interesting in that it seems to reflect back on him rather than on O'Brien. In that he um, he hadn't he'd done this forgiveness um, to sort of get things off his own. Yeah. Back. He makes it clear he didn't he didn't forgive him so that the judge would would go easy on him. He forgave him because he felt himself yes, that he, and, f- yes, for his own well-being, other, he wanted to forgive him. Yes, but on the other hand, the judge said that the that O'Brien should be grateful for the generous attitude of, uh, of Wright uh, in having written to the court to say he had forgiven him. Um, I don't know who's right or wrong in this, PJ. To be honest, uh, no. I think that um, I know that, that the whole racism issue is, is terribly awful and that what happened in this case was really really significantly bad uh, but on the other hand I'm not too sure if um, if sending a, an 18 year old to prison or giving them a suspended sentence um, would would have um, would have really resolved the issue yeah. you know well, as someone said to me once someone we'd both know but I won't name said when you go into court you get law on a good day, you might get justice. You will never get revenge. Yes, and that's that's 
the point. It's it's not about revenge. Um, and I think I think in in this case that um, the the young lad was very remorseful. He had gone through the uh, the, the 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 situations where did, did he, he speak learned. at all, Anne? No, no, he didn't, and he didn't speak afterwards either. He did anybody speak on his behalf? Uh, just a solicitor, um, Pat Mann, um, who 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 said that uh, he had that he was from a good family and that he was very remorseful and that he had um, made this donation uh, to the um, to 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 anti-racist uh, network. Yeah, anti-racist yeah, network. Okay, okay. <clears throat> so, I guess you can do no more than just leave it there, and people will will make up their their own uh, minds. Yes, yeah. I, I still think that it's not over for the family, to be quite honest with you, PJ, because I do think that, that um, you know, with the way modern social media is now, yeah. that people, mind you, his, all his own accounts, his mother immediately got him to shut them down, yes. um, you know, and wouldn't allow him to have them again. So I suppose, in a sense, that's, you know, as his solicitor said, that... Uh, the, the whole social media thing took a, a, honest, no, a life of no. its own, we, you know. We, we all know how that can do. And thank you very much. That's Anne Mooney from the Irish Sun who was in court yesterday in Tralee. And look, the outcome is the lad doesn't have a conviction. He pleaded guilty, but he doesn't have a conviction because the judge applied the Probation Act, which is the judge's prerogative. Uh, taking everything into account and as someone who sat next to Anne and sat in courts in general for over 12 years as a court reporter I have seen judges take things into account and sit and masticate and chew them over and and you you sometimes don't understand what a judge is doing but then again you've not been in the position that the judge has been and with all Due respect to anyone reading a newspaper or watching television or listening to radio, even members of a jury. Well, if there's a jury involved, the one person who has seen and heard and interpreted everything for him or herself is the judge. And it's they make the decision at the end of the day. Ian Wright may not be happy with it. You can see why he might not be. But that is where it sits as of today. 1850 the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Go, go, go. It's the weekend. Yes, it's the weekend. Club 96 is the soundtrack to your Saturday night. On Cork's 96 FM. Darren Johnston spins all the biggest hits from 6. Then Rob Allen's got the old school mix from 10. Your Saturday night sorted. Sorted. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know, in all the tragedy and what else was it? Only tragedy of the first five or four or five weeks of the year with COVID 19 and the terrible consequences of the virus, we almost forgot about Brexit. Almost. Not quite, but we did. Those ordinary ones of us for whom it doesn't directly affect, or we thought it wouldn't directly affect us. Remember I said 
a long, long time ago, it wasn't just me, other people said, a long, long time ago, that really we won't care about Brexit until it affects us in some way, directly in the pocket, either in our own earning potential or our own ability to get our hands on stuff or our own businesses. And that's exactly what's happening at the moment to Maggie. Maggie runs a, a stall called The Filling Station in Kinsale, Tonakilty and Skibbereen Market. Maggie, remind us again, I think we've spoken before, what it is you actually do at The Filling Station. Good morning. Hello. Um, yes, as I refill bottles, your own bottles, with eco-friendly cleaning products. So okay. you bring your own bottle and you get it filled up so you don't have to waste plastic okay. bottles. And you've been doing that for how long? About six years now. Okay. Yeah. And you would source your stock where? UK, the, in the UK? Well, I have a few um, suppliers, but my main suppliers for the eco-cleaning products are from the UK. So that's all stopped now. That's all on hold. So let's go pre-Brexit. What would you do when you needed stock? You literally just ordered it, yeah? I ordered it. I have an Irish wholesaler and I would order from them. And I also had a UK supplier and I ordered from them as well. And then other things I had other suppliers for. But my main cleaning products, they would come either through the Irish wholesaler or the UK wholesaler. And about how long would it take you to order a a stock? Well, um, um, if I or if I put in an order, I'd get it within three to five days. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What has changed? Well, what has changed is that my Irish supplier has no more stock. They've run out of stock, and my UK supplier has stopped um, exporting outside the UK for the foreseeable future. Why? So, Why though? Because of all the complications with Brexit, all the documentation needed, all the forms that have to be filled in, each product on every pallet has to be documented, and then all the new tariffs. So the UK supply, the UK wholesaler has to sort all that before it goes to the north and then comes into the Republic. So it was coming so, in through the north, yeah? Yes, yes. Right, right. So even though it can traverse the border nice and handy because of this protocol that we were told about... It's getting it into the north. And what do you have an understanding of what kind of paperwork would be would be involved? I have a vague understanding, but it's hundreds and hundreds of pages, literally, because um, each item has to be documented, and it has to be. Uh, I have to sign things. Things have to be signed on both sides by them and by me, and then there's all these tariffs to pay and VAT. So even when the documentation does get sorted, there'll still be huge fees to pay that wow. I don't really understand yet because I haven't even, you know, been able to put in an order since before January the 1st. And Maggie, had you, had you any idea pre-Brexit that this would happen? Did anyone tell you this might happen or had you any idea? Oh, I did have an idea. Yes, yes, I did have an idea. But I didn't uh, I didn't think it would be quite so dramatic yeah, as yeah. to be without stock now for the foreseeable future and so unable to trade. So, yeah, you've gone from a three-day business around West Cork to what? To uh, nothing. Nothing. Have you no, had to close them all down, I, yeah? I have no stock. I have a small bit of leftover stock, but it's too, I can't go to market with, you know, half a stall full of stock. 
Right. Or sell to no one. <laughs> so that's it, really, for the foreseeable future. I mean, um, I'm I'm sourcing Irish suppliers, but um, you know, it, it it doesn't happen overnight, and also the Irish suppliers don't have enough stock at the moment. Yeah, yeah, because the stuff you use isn't made here, no. Well, um, no, the stuff I use isn't made here, no, no. But the, the, new, the new suppliers I am looking for will be Irish-made, yeah. but they, they're just not ready yet, you know. You're, you're, you're seem light-hearted enough about this, but it can't be easy, Maggie. No, no, it's not easy. I'm, I'm light-hearted today, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it's, it's tough to kind of work out the future, and I'll have to be taking a certain amount of risks, and I have to just sit in limbo here. Yeah. And and have you have you money aside that you can help yourself through this time? Well, I have the business part, but that has to be kept for the business. You know, to put in new orders when the orders start being able to when I can put in an order. So how are yeah. you? How well, are you I have the, I have heating the and lighting your house and stuff. I have the pup, the, the pandemic unemployment payment, okay, which is a, a lifesaver. Right. Yeah. Because of course um, you can't you can't operate anyway at the moment even if you wanted to or am I right or wrong there? I can operate at the at the markets the farmers markets can trade but the, because of the lockdown there's so little footfall anyway. Yes. That yes. Um, you know business is down to minimum anyway without yeah. Brexit. And I suppose you have a lot of people already contacting you say Maggie where are you I need a refill. I do, yes. Every day I get phone calls and texts saying, oh, I need some washing up liquid, I need some this or some that, and I have to say I'm sorry, you know, I have none, and there's none anywhere to be found, and um, that's where it is at the moment. Are you worried that eventually costs will get higher than you can sustain? Um, Yes, I am, because um, that's an important part of my business, is that my products should be affordable to everyone, you know. And if I have to triple my prices, well, nobody's going triple. to buy. Yeah, well, it could be that you know, it could be that much if I. If the yeah, you mentioned tariffs and VAT and all of that. Like that was putting up your cost price anyway, was it? But was it? Yes. Was it would it be by much? Um, probably yes. I'd probably have to double my prices at least. And if I have to source um, products from France or from Germany then the prices could triple. Wow. So, so, and that's going to, you know, of course that's going to affect sales because there'll be very few people who are willing to pay seven euro for a bottle of washing up liquid. I hate to ask this question, Maggie, but could that spell the end of your little business? No, it's not going to spell the end of my little business. (laughs) I'm determined to carry on somehow until such a time as it's not possible if that happens. But I will find a way to continue trading. You sound like a, one of life's natural optimists anyway, do you? <laughs> yes, I'm on a good day, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you worry, though. It is, yeah. 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 All right. Okay, well, as soon as you've got stuff flowing again from wherever, yes. let us know and we let our listeners know. Oh, thank you very much. Because I, I know people who've been to your stall, who, who love what you do, uh-huh. and and wouldn't be without you. Um, oh. So, yeah, so as soon as you can get stuff coming in again, let us know, and we'll talk again. 
thank you very much. All okay. right. Maggie, thank you. Thank and you. Best of luck. Look after yourself, all right? Thanks. Cheers. That's Maggie Minion from the filling station. If you're wondering where her stall is, it's a victim of Brexit because she can't get her stock in. And even if she could get her stock in, her prices may well have to go through the roof because of all this VAT and all this tariff nonsense that have come with Brexit. And remember what we said months and months ago, maybe even years and years ago, that nobody would care about Brexit until it actually began to impact on your own doorstep. And that's what's happening to Maggie right now. And from what you hear, she isn't the only one. Kate says this is an ideal opportunity for an Irish company not only to fill the gap for their own se- for her sake, but to help another Irish business. Best of luck to her. 1850-715-996. I've been interested in hearing from other people. I remember I had a, a studio guest here in the course of all the Brexit stuff. And I I don't remember his name, but he had a local product and he was involved in importing and exporting. And he predicted to me that day that little businesses like Maggie's would be crushed under the wheels of Brexit. They would be collateral damage when Brexit went ahead and that big multinationals or big nationals could deal with Brexit, they could deal with the paperwork and deal with the hassle and probably absorb even some of the cost. But little businesses like Maggie's would get crushed under the wheels of Brexit. 1850-715-996. Kevin says that from what I've heard, the motor trade is no different. Order apart and what used to be the next day delivery is now you'll get it when the lorry gets on a boat. Yeah, yeah. And I ain't buying anything that has to come from the UK Queen Bee was buying something. I don't remember what store it came from. I don't remember. Okay, so don't ask. (laughs) I know it's a British store with outlets here. And no, it's not Debenhams. Don't worry about that. It's not Debenhams. But she bought it. She bought one last year. And it's a piece of furniture. It's a piece of shelving. Nice piece of shelving. And we bought one last year or the year before, and then when we were doing a little bit of work on the house before Christmas, she said, do you know what, I'm going to buy another one of those because it would be really nice in that corner. Said, yeah, off you go. So she ordered it, and she got the email back, and it'll be here in a week and a half. That was November. Uh, we haven't seen it since, and I think now she's just cancelled it and got a refund. There's no sign of it. This is a thing that the first time she ordered one, it took about eight, nine days. At most. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Each week we bring you the latest news from our vibrant and creative communities all around Cork. Whether it's tips for the best live gigs online, new initiatives from Cork's writers and musicians, join Elmery Mall and Connor Tallon as we work to support and keep the arts alive in Cork. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. On Quartz 96 FM. I said at the top of the programme that we would try to break down into simple English 
what is going on with vaccines and what might happen to my vaccine, your vaccine, more importantly, Nana and Granddad's vaccine or Mum and Dad's vaccine. I will try to break that down later on this morning between 11 and 12. Uh, stay around with us for that. 1850-715-996. The coldest spell of weather in Ireland and the UK since December 2010. December 2010. Do you remember that? Do you remember the cold of December 2010? Pipes froze in December 2010 that were 7 and 8 inches underground. That was cold and it went on for quite a long time. Could be on the way for next week. That's according to Ireland's Weather Channel. Uh, our man there, and of course UCC, Cahill Nolan. Good morning to you, Cahill. A very good morning, PJ. Cahill, uh, are we looking at another beast from the east, or are we looking at worse? There certainly exists the possibility that we will experience conditions very similar to beasts from the east, but there is a caveat with that. So initially what we will experience is a significant drop in the temperatures over the course of the weekend especially so from Sunday onwards, will start to pick up an easterly airflow that is drawing in air that originated over Scandinavia and Siberia. So it is of a particularly cold nature. What we'll start to see as well through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the risk of some wintry showers coming in off the Celtic Sea here into parts of Cork. It very much depends upon the wind direction. If we get ever so slightly a switch in direction and it goes a little bit more southeasterly, then that risk certainly extends here to the city itself. Otherwise, it would probably be the coastal fringes of the south coast that see the snow at that stage. Mm. However, what we're keeping a very close eye on is the impacts potentially of a system pushing in on Wednesday and again a second one pushing in on Friday. Now, both of these systems have the potential to bring spells of particularly heavy snow over a much larger area of the country and that certainly could rival the snow experienced in March 2018. Now Scotland is getting an awful battering at the moment and their forecast for the weekend is is more. What's happening above our heads, Carl, with all these systems? Is is they're pushing around temperatures and water and precipitation? Is all pushing around battling for space in the sky? Is that what's going on? So there's a number of things that are happening that are leading to these kind of conditions that have been experienced across Ireland and the UK at the moment. The first, and certainly it's the feature that certainly defines our weather here in this part of the world, it's the jet stream. So the jet stream itself is actually located much farther to the south at the moment than it traditionally would, and that certainly seems to be the case through next week as well. When we have the jet stream to the south of Ireland, it means that we're exposed to much colder conditions than normal, And what we're seeing at the moment as well is we have a large blocking anticyclone that's expected to develop over Scandinavia. And this will essentially feed in that very, very cold air, as we said, from Scandinavia and Siberia around that anticyclone. And that then certainly becomes prevalent across the country. Is that that blocking anticyclone, is that the kind of thing that we want in the summer to keep the warm weather here and the bad stuff out? Correct. So So it does the opposite in the winter? It does the opposite in the winter. So it leads to more kind of continental style conditions here in Ireland. When we have that blocking anticyclone in the winter, it brings in a very cold east, southeast wind at times. And with that, it brings exceptionally cold temperatures. However, the opposite is the case in the summer. So it starts to feed in that very warm air then from the continent. So really when we want to see temperature extremes or pretty much extreme weather of any kind in Ireland, aside from Atlantic storms, we are certainly looking for that blocking pattern within our weather systems and that's what's prevalent at the moment. Looking at the two extreme 
unfold events of the last 10 years. We had obviously 20, 2018, uh, beasts from the east and heavy snow, and we were pretty much trapped in this building for a few days because of red weather warning. We had to stay around, couldn't go home because we couldn't guarantee to get back in, all of that. And then we go back to 2010 where it just was cold for a period of it felt like weeks. I'm sure it wasn't quite as long as we thought. So are we looking for a long, at a long spell or a short, sharp spell? The simple answer to that question is we're just not sure at the moment. Right. Looking ahead at next week, we certainly can envisage at least one week of particularly cold conditions. And that's certainly based off the European weather forecast model that we have access to this morning. However, it remains to be seen as to how long this particular spell will last. So Ireland, but at present, when we look at the forecast, it's teetering on the edge of the particularly cold there and milder air to the south. A subtle shift either way could bring a change towards the end of next week, whereby we might see milder air set to creep up across the country, or it could be a case that the jet stream remains pretty much to the south and we keep ourselves exposed to those particularly cold winds coming And, and when will you know, like when will you look at your screen and know what's going on? Is it Because there seems to be a bit of uncertainty there, which must be frustrating for a fellow like yourself. It certainly is frustrating. I think in terms of forecast, really we have about seven to ten days of a window at present, so we're looking ahead. And we can certainly say with a relative level of confidence that certainly the first half of next week is going to be exceptionally cold with the risk of snow in this part of the country. But probably the highest risk of snow will certainly be along the east coast of Leinster through parts of Dublin into the Midlands. That's where the heaviest risk is at the moment. But I suppose... Really, it'll be a case of monitoring the charts. We should have a very good idea, I would say, by the weekend, so certainly by Saturday, Sunday, as to what the exact scenario plays out on Wednesday and, of course, then again on Friday. Well, we might check in again with you after the weekend when you've got uh, uh, clear, clearer clearer charts. Uh, thanks for that, Cahal, as always, Cahal Nona at uh, UCC uh, 185715996. We will check in with him again after the weekend when we can give us a more accurate pitch. But what we do know is that next week, lads, is going to be wicked cold altogether. We'll be out with the kettle of water and the de-icer and the scraper again. 185715996. Mind you, Controversial opinion here. I take it over the rain any day. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Tony, you were out. I'll get to him in a second. He, Tony was out for a walk. Now, if anybody thinks they saw something strange around the lock in the last couple of evenings, and I don't mean the ducks or the swans or anything doing what anyone doing what they might do around the lock. Um, he was there. He's not not there now. It's all right. Will you? talk to him in a second uh, and Tony reckons he saw a meteor or something around the lock in the last few days if anybody else saw anything queer or strange you can let us know at 1850 just some of your comments coming in uh, Brexit hi PJ Tony here I recently bought supplements from the UK from a company I've been buying off of for years supplements came to 63 euro and 13 euro for priority delivery which is the norm but when it was delivered to the door I had to pay another 54 euro for customs and taxes I knew because of Brexit it would cost more but I thought this was ridiculous never again yes a lot of people a lot of people who are buying from the UK are getting nasty little notes uh, when the parcel arrives you've paid for the parcel you've paid for delivery and then there's a little oh by the way we need more money cash on delivery when it gets there be careful an awful lot of people 
I did it recently, uh, who buy from Amazon. Don't at me, they're good at what they do. All right, don't mind that, I'll carry on. But I bought something off Amazon uh, just there recently and I had to buy it from their German website, DE, because it has an English version. And that took about seven or eight days maybe to come, maybe slightly more, maybe slightly less. The buying from Amazon across the UK, I would have probably had to pay taxes and charges and stuff on top of it, but it can come from the EU. Loads of people changing their Amazon to Amazon.de and stuff like that. So those, those costs going up and up for people. Ah, there he is. There he is. Tony, you were out by the lock. What did you see? Hello. Hi. What did you see, mate? Hi, Listen, I was, we were just up with seven Carl and my wife and when we looked up at the sky, there was fireball just racing across the sky. It was like white, white hot. And um, there was a trail behind it with like a red or a, and a blue of a tinge going through it. When was but, this? Uh, it, this was um, uh, two nights ago, PJ. And about what time in the evening? It was uh, 20 to 7, because when it was finished, like, it only took a few seconds now. It was right. very quick. And it was so amazing. I said to Carl, what the hell are we just after seeing there? So I said, I look at my watch in case anybody... It was so important, and it was um, 1843 on my watch. On Tuesday evening? Yeah. Right. And you, like, obviously very high. What's about, was it it a a pinhead size, or was it, did it look the size of a football, or did it look the size of the moon, or what? Yeah, well, I'm trying, like, thinking back at it now, it was the size of a football, or maybe even a kid's ball, you know? Yeah. And it, it looked it looked pretty close though to me. I have to say that, but it was in the sky, but it was very very fast. Not like not moving like a plane. Now, if you saw a plane moving, it doesn't move that far, that far, that fast. But this thing shot across the sky very very fast. Okay. And uh, I even said I even said to Carl joking afterwards, "Geez, I hope that doesn't hit us in Pembroke Cathedral." You know, it was like up over the lock, right? <laughs> and it was heading up to the north side. It was an amazing sight, Peter. I've never seen that. Like, like I've seen shooting star before, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the shooting star. So it was roughly the size of well, to 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 the eye. Yeah, the, to your, the eye. Your yeah, perception like, about the size of a ball and like like a ball. Yeah, and yeah. How, like maybe a kid's ball, another little plastic kid's ball. Yeah, have, and was the trail like the, was the trail very long? Yeah, it it looked it looked long, you know. But again, to the eye. Let's say, you know, no, when you see a plane come in, maybe two, two or three times long, you know? I have It's just like huh. an amazing sight, PJ. I've never, ever seen All right. Let us, let us see if anyone can enlighten you as to what it was. And if anybody can, it's Francis McCarthy at uh, the Blackwell Castle Observatory. Hi, Francis. Good morning. Hi there. Do you Hi, know uh, what think, he saw? I think we were tweeting at each other a couple of days ago. So I went from, from getting that initial... Um, heads up on it, I went and checked the International Meteor Organization, the IMO, the International Meteor Organization, who have a fireball report site. So fireballs get seen. They're fabulous. I've missed out on most of the really good fireballs. Um, I've seen one. I've seen one. And I went, oh, wow, cool. But my husband, who was walking next to me, missed it because they're quick. As you've seen, they're quick. What we need to know about it is... How bright did it look in terms of the other things in the sky? So the, com- the comparison can be, was it as bright as the sun? So were there shadows from it? Was it like stonkingly ridiculous there was a second sun in the sky? Those are 
unbelievably rare. Was it about as bright as the full moon? Okay, a little bit more common because that's not as bright. Or was it about as bright as, say, Venus, when you see that bright planet in the morning or the evening and the, the whole sky is blue, but the planet is there? So Venus, that would be minus five brightness. And if it's as bright as that, it's counted as a fireball. It's estimated there are probably a thousand of those every day. Really? Yeah, but half of them are in the daytime. Okay. So they're pretty hard to see unless they're one of the really, really bright ones. The ones that are nighttime, um, probably two-thirds of them are over ocean because two-thirds of our planet is ocean. So you start cutting it right down. So you get end up with a handful that might be seen by somebody. So I go check the meteor you know, organization fireball reports, and there have been some, but there's no other ones matching with this. So let, let's let's bring Tony in for a second. Tony, yeah. how, about how bright was it? Did it brighten up the sky or did it brighten up the, the place? Like, was? was there a chance of a shadow from it? Was it like, oh, that's hurting my eyes? Like, you look at the sun, it hurts your eyes. No, no, it didn't hurt my eyes, but it was okay. very bright and white. It's perfect. Yeah, now but, the, the, but there was a trail then of like a blue the, sort of ready tinge and trail, perfect. you know? Oh, oh my God, I love, I love trails. I love trails. Okay, so what you saw was a chunk of space rock coming into the Earth's atmosphere. The color that you get tells you either or both what it's made of and how fast it's going and where it is in the atmosphere. Don't worry about it hitting anything, okay? Because I don't know if this is going to make you happy or alarmed, but when they get low enough that they might hit the ground, so under about 15 or 20 kilometers, still up in the atmosphere, so like still, you know, twice the height of Everest, they slow down and they stop glowing. So the ones that hit you, you don't see. I don't know if that helps. Okay, so as it comes into the atmosphere and it slows down, it stops glowing. So of the 800 fireballs that have been carefully tracked over the last 50 years, only four have actually been found on the ground. So actually seeing a fabulous fireball, unless it's honkingly big, it doesn't normally survive to hit the ground because right. there's just not enough of it and it burns up. And that's what you're seeing with the trail. So a piece it's, of burning well, space it, rock is what he saw, basically. Yeah. and it depends on what type of space rock it was. So if it came from a comet, comets are fluffy. Comets are about, um, the middle of a comet is about like the foam on a cappuccino. Right. That's about what the ice of a comet's like. So if you think... Oh, someone's chucked a lump of cappuccino foam at you. You're not going to be too worried about it. But on the other hand, if it's from an asteroid, those are generally rockier and nastier. Those are the ones that get blamed for wiping out the dinosaurs. But that was an enormous chunk of rock. We're talking hundreds of thousands of tons. And those don't even look at the atmosphere. They just go, excuse me, wham. All right. So if it's small, it slows down and it stops glowing and you don't see it. Okay, Tony, are you happy with that description? Does oh, that's that's yeah, that's it's brilliant to hear it because, and uh, do you know what I picked up on there, PJ, when she said that um, she saw something but her husband didn't. But I tell you, when me and Carol were walking, it just, I was just after buying a new lens and I take pictures of the moon, and I I just turned my head to head. There's a nice clear sky. I might take some shots of the moon, and I just said to Carol, 
Carol, is there any sign of the moon? And we look right, and no, and she says, I saw it over there the other night, and we looked to the lock, and exactly at that time. Yeah, exactly. They're so quick. Wow. If it was two seconds earlier, we'd have been looking the other way, and it would have been behind our heads, and we'd have never... You'd have missed it. You'd have missed it. If you remember, a couple of years ago, there was a fabulous one that lots of people saw. It was green, and it split into two, Oh yeah, I people thought the Martians had landed. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember that one, Francis. I, I'm going to have to go, and I'm going to have to go, Tony. Thank you very much, Francis McCarthy from Blackrock Castle Observatory, and Tony Tobin. At least we've explained what it was. I'd love to stay talking for longer, but the time is again me. The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your two one one Toyota. See LehanMotors.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Do you know, no matter how simple the explanation or how wonderfully colourful the explanation is when someone like Francis McCarthy gives it to us, Eugene always wants to do one better. He goes, PJ, that might have been the poop from the lads on the International Space Station. When they dump it, it burns up on re-entry. Oh, please. Thank you, Eugene. Neilis saw that shooting ball in the sky as well. Tuesday, running in Ballancolig. Thought he was seeing things. It was unreal. It was a bit of space rock burning up in the atmosphere. Uh, as explained to us by Francis McCarthy from CIT to the great satisfaction of Tony, who saw it. If anybody else did see it, just Tuesday night, around about a quarter to seven, quick as a flash, shoo, across the sky. Love to know how many people did see it. 1850-715-996, the number. The text to WhatsApp, 83 96 And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. If you missed any part of our first hour this morning, the podcast goes up in the early afternoon. We put it up first on Twitter. We share the link there, and then it goes on to all of our individual various platforms, including, of course, the Corks 96FM phone app. I've been listening to this all week. It's on flipping loop in the car. I just can't get it. I can't get it out of my head. It's great. It's a great tune. And then the the guy, the video came out and that has had like 1.2 million views on the on, on, on the guard of Twitter. Uh, it's going down a bomb. Except it's own pranks, but we, we won't worry about them. But it's great. That's Jerusalem is the song. And then there was we discovered we knew somebody who was in that video and in actual fact this person has form oh yes they have form look at this look at this look there she is down the middle of the road in Tonavan or Tonavan in County Kerry and you wouldn't you know it she's one of the stars of the Jerusalem video. I speak, of course, of Gartha, Mary Gardner. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? That's right, I'm great altogether. <laughs> a, first, a first cousin of, of John Gardner, I'm, I'm told. Oh, I am. Our, yeah, our, our, our hurling cousin. hero. Yeah. Uh, now, based in Kerry still, are you? I am. I'm stationed in Tralee, uh, in County Kerry. I've been stationed in Kerry for all my service, so I've 21 years this year, so I've been 21 years stationed down in Kerry. Yeah. But you love the old performing arts, don't you? You were made for the stage. 
Oh, Lord. Yeah, uh, look, uh, a bit of fun. A bit of fun to put a smile on the faces. and. Did, did you learn it as a, kid, as a kid or is it just a hobby? Oh, God, not to <laughs> Not at all. No, my sister would tell you we did Irish dancing with Bernie Buckley when we were small. <laughs> a waste of money, said my mother. But anyway, <laughs> we we drove on. Um, Aaron, not at all. It looked only something that during lockdown, the first lockdown, we decided to do something here in Tona Van uh, for Do It For Dan. And we did Amarillo and sure took off. And yeah. and then you did Uptown think- Funk, which was a much bigger production <laughs> altogether. <laughs> <laughs> we did Uptown Funk then as well, of course, for um, A Better Life for Livy, for Livia Mulhern, and that was at the emergency services here. Yeah, there was, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fireman, I watched a, a section, there's a fireman that looks very confused. You know, what am I well, doing I, here? You know, <laughs> that fireman is actually quite a good boxer. He's a very good boxer. I know the one you're on about, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one <laughs> on the left. <laughs> yeah, What's going yeah, on? Just <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. So then the Jerusalem one comes up. Now, this, the history of this, it was the Swiss police, wasn't it? That's right, Jess. So the Swiss police force, they laid down the gauntlet to Angarda Sheikhan on Twitter to take part in the Jerusalem Challenge, the song that you've just played there. Um, so this, it's a dance that went viral last year when it was an Angolan dance troupe, PJ, recorded themselves dancing to the tune um, that was created by the South African DJ. Um, and he actually put our video up on his own page right. last night. So, um, yeah, so he created this in Angola. Via? It was an Angolan dance troupe, right. so they, they actually recorded themselves dancing to the Jerusalem song, and it took off. So it's been, you can see it, if you look it up on the internet, there are doctors, nurses, um, there's um, airline stewards, everyone is doing a school, kids dancing in puddles to it. It's, it's just lovely, a joyous song. And then the Swiss police, and did they make a direct challenge to, to, to the guards, or did they challenge other police forces across Europe? No, just on Garda Shikana. So really? They threw it, yeah, they threw it out to, to Ireland to do it. Actually, they know we're great fun. That's yeah. it, of course it was. They knew we'd uh, take it up. So I suppose our Garda headquarters, they accepted the challenge back on Twitter. And so it began. Right, right. So how did you become involved then? Of course, you couldn't yeah. resist the chance, obviously. But <laughs> someone had to ask you. Or <laughs> yeah, so there was a... We were contacted then by um, the Garda headquarters, just a, a couple of us around the country. So it's guards from Thomastown. There's guards from Kerry ourselves here in Tralee. They're from the Garda College in Templemore as well are involved in it. And if you can see there, there's a, a girl doing uh, Irish dancing outside Templemore. Yes. Absolutely. Orla Clark MacDonald is her name. And what the Swiss didn't know, PJ, is that she was our secret weapon because she was actually a member of the original River Dance. I thought I recognised <laughs> the steps. Yeah. Those yeah. steps are not just any old Irish dancing steps. They are out of the back line of River Dance. Straight oh, out God. of it. No, well, I'd have done myself an injury anyway if I attempted that, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, no, she's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I just thought it was something that we wanted to put our own little twist on it as well to show... Show the Swiss our own culture and our own heritage, and just you know we're proud to be Irish, and just to throw it Fabulous. in there. And who shot it, Marion? Who put it? it was it was? All, I take it all the various videos were done separately and then edited together. Is that what happened? Yeah. So the who did that was Stephen McDonough. He is the uh, videographer for the Garda Press Office, and my God, he's just amazing. I mean. He actually made us look like we can dance, which is a fair miracle in fairness to him. No, it was absolutely fabulous. He just, oh, you can see it, the scenery, amazing. We it's got brilliant. to show off our country. It's just beautiful. And I think it's something we take for granted, PJ. You know, we look. I look out the window here. I actually live in Blennerville, uh, Tone of Anne. Gorgeous. And yeah, so the last shot of that is us up on the mountain, the very last shot of it. And that's the mountain that I look out the window at. Take it for granted until you see it. 
you know, you see it there with the drone footage, even the canal in, in Blennerville there with the windmill. Like, I walk it most Brilliant. days. Brilliant. That's a beautiful place. And, and what, what genius decided to put the horses in? Oh, that was Gar- Gar- headquarters. Um, yeah, it's just, isn't it fantastic? It's brilliant. Like, they're just, it's just gorgeous and it's outside ours and Uptron. Again, you know, something we're all very proud of yes. as well. I, I have a feeling that, that the Swiss may regret this because they've got <laughs> 1.2 million views already and that was before people started talking about it. So, have you issued yeah. a follow-on challenge, Mary? Yeah, so what we've done is we have decided to lay down the challenge to everybody else out there. So, it's to the general public uh, to do this dance in their own homes Bear in mind COVID guidelines to do it in their own homes, with their own family and or with your social bubble. Do it with your children. You know, it's such a joyous thing. Do it with your children. Hashtag Garda Jerusalem. Throw your dance up there and tag us in it and just to see how everyone gets on. And, you know, it's really nice. There was a cousin of mine, actually. She texted me to say that her kids' um, homework, she's living in Limerick, her kids' homework was to do the Garda Jerusalem dance or the Shia Shuffle, as it's been known as well now. So it's it's just lovely. It's lovely. And look, I, I just want to throw it at my brother there, Tony. He's stationed in, in Cork as well, Tony Gardner. He's a guard. Oh, I know Tony. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Tony's my brother. Yeah. Right. So look, I just can't wait to see what Tony's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the challenge is, is, is out there now. The PNS, PSNI took it up or, or police in the UK or something. Did the Swiss say anything? I reckon the Swiss are going, oh God, why did we ask <laughs> the Irish? Why did we ask? No. <laughs> they actually put up a tweet and it's fabulous if you take a look at it. They put a tweet up that's on the Garda Info page and it's two Swiss, Swiss policemen. It's a little clip. It's about 25 seconds long and they're walking through with a case through a building and this is really, you know, dramatic music and what they did was they actually opened a the window, they opened the case and they hang an Irish flag out the window and saying oh, fair play to us. It was so lovely. Deadly. Yeah. So that lovely, is yeah. deadly, you know, and I'm not going to ask you to comment on this, but but you know what, it's been a very tough 10, 11 months and it's only going to get tougher before it gets any better. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been on the front line doing your jobs and doing them brilliantly. And you've now turned around and given us a great laugh and a great smile. Uh-huh. And well, from all of us goal. to all of the people in that video, thank you so much for the the, 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 the enjoyment of it. And PJ, thank you very much. And look, just for ourselves as well, we'd like to thank the, the general public for all the fantastic comments that have come back. And it's great to see that it's brought joy to a few people. And that's the main goal. Look, our main goal is to engage with our community at all times. And that's what we were hoping to do with the video. And look, we've been out there for the whole of COVID, meeting people as a community guard. I've been down here meeting more elderly people and people who are isolating. And we just want to know we're, we're actually there to help. We're not just censors. We're there to help. If you need sure. help, give us a shout and get to know your local guard as well and you know the connection is strong and hopefully it continues on Carl from the Glen to say <laughs> that you're, you're playing yourself down you've been dancing since you were a child <laughs> and, and your dad would be very, would be very proud oh thank you thank All you right. listen Mary lovely 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 to talk to you and it's such the, the video is a joy thank you very much PJ and thanks for the lovely comments take care see ya take care thank bye you bye bye that's Gar the Mary Gardner can I do it again Turned this up in the car yesterday on the way home. And I decided to test the stereo in the car, which I don't do very often. And oh, the car was pumping, going along the road. It's a great tune. And a great video. And great to talk to Garda, Mary Gardner. 1850-715996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie.
Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Make sure you're with me for your afternoon. Pick me up with the biggest tunes, some throwback Thursday anthems and everything you need to fly you through the day. See ya from 12 on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. So like I said, we will get an update on where we stand with regard to vaccines and try to make it all more understandable. Uh, after 11 o'clock, if you're in any way confused about when you or a loved one might get your vaccine, uh, we'll hopefully uh, clarify it all for you after 11. After the announcement yesterday that the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is the game changer on a number of levels, one, because you can do it straight out of the fridge, and secondly, because it has now in at least one piece of research, which no doubt there will be others, they've discovered that not only does it protect you, but it also makes you less infectious, which is brilliant. And that's great, great news coming from us. But there's a change in, in all of that, and we'll explore it in a bit more detail after 11 o'clock. 1850 But I guess on today is a significant day. We should look at something that has possibly been impacted by COVID-19, and that, of course, is cancer. Today is World Cancer Day, which leads me to go to Orla Orla Dolan, who is the Chief Executive of Breakthrough Cancer Research and, of course, one of our our Radiothon partners um, at Cork's 96FM. And we've said before that Cork is a centre of global excellence for cancer research and it's something we should be so, so proud of. Our cancer research is, is, is world leading uh, here in the city. Orla, has the impact of COVID, has it had an effect on our, on our research? Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, um, absolutely it has. I mean, the pandemic has affected every part of our lives and it certainly has impacted you know, cancer care and screenings and that, but it's also had a huge impact on the continuity of cancer research. And, you know, during extreme phases of lockdown, um, you know, researchers didn't have access to their labs for months on end. Certain experiments, because of that, might have had to be discarded. Even lab reagents and things were redeployed to emergency testing. And you also had the impact of the fact that, you know, Part of clinical cancer research relies on samples from patients um, that come from a hospital setting. And with all the restrictions that were there with surgery, some of them postponed pathology labs under pressure, a lot of those vital samples that are used in in testing novel treatments and drugs weren't available for months on end. And so today is World Cancer Day, as you already said, and I suppose what we're saying is if you look at the progress that has come in the COVID vaccine, it has come in record time. I mean, it's unheard of for something to be developed in that short a period of time. It doesn't feel short when we're waiting for it, but cancer patients are waiting for new treatments all the time. Yeah. And, and why the vaccine has come so quickly is because there's been a global emphasis and huge investment. And in now in cancer research, we've got to turn back to that because we know that further down the line, in the, from because of the screenings and people not going to the doctor earlier, 
we will have people who will have disease that will be more advanced by the time they're diagnosed and therefore the pressure on research to have options for those people will be even greater. Mm. And so we need to kind of make up the time that we've lost and keep going so that we can actually, you know, get those novel ideas, those new treatments out of labs into clinical trials and available for the patients who are waiting for them. And I, I suppose you'd be waiting as well, Orla, for people in, in labs to be vaccinated so they can keep doing their work as well. Yeah, I mean, like every every aspect of the country, you know, um, there's this balancing act of, of trying to stop viral transmission and have containment and at the same time keep things going along. And so, so absolutely, the collaborations that happen, people not being able to work for long periods of time in the lab or limited people being able to work in the labs when they're even open. And they went through periods of time where they couldn't access them at all. And it's nobody's fault they're trying to keep people safe. But the reality of that is that months of time were lost and yeah. you know there was breaks in the continuity of that research and so these it must come as a huge days. relief so to have vaccines coming even if they're coming slower than we'd like them to, to have them coming yeah absolutely I mean like I said like, to be able to develop a vaccine in under a year comes from the fact that there's a huge foundation of research behind that beforehand and this massive investment now we're turning to what we can do to contain ourselves but also the rollout of those vaccines and supply chains and that's the part we're at we're nearly there it doesn't feel like it at the moment because we're all in a big extreme lockdown again but, but the end is in sight yeah. but you know cancer takes far more people than COVID five times as many people than COVID and on average one person in Ireland dies every hour to cancer far more than COVID will ever take not to take anything away from you know the the situation that we're in now so today is a day where we need to kind of focus on the other big C in our lives and say let's make sure that we don't lose you know the the momentum and the progress we've been making in the treatments because Everybody now understands what it's like to sit at home waiting for a research breakthrough, in this case a vaccine, so that you can get your life back. Well, that's what cancer patients face all the time, you know, waiting to know, will there be something there for me when I need it? And what what changes something from you have months to you have years is novel new treatments that save people. And that comes from research and research needs money. And this is the day where we're saying to people, please remember us and maybe for World Cancer Day, let's double our efforts and recommit to changing the game for cancer too. And we hope against every hope that we will be able to do our thing for you come come May, Orla. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, on the so TV. much, and we, we really appreciate your support um, all year round. Thank uh, you. Cheers. Chief Executive of the Cork-based Breakthrough Cancer Research, that's Orla Dolan. Now, let us talk to someone who has benefited from the kind of work that they do at Breakthrough Cancer. Patricia, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Now, you're from Carrig Navarre, and right. both yourself and your daughter have had cancer. Uh, yes, that's, that's right. Um, I actually was diagnosed myself with um, um, bowel cancer in um, 2008, um, and um, I went on to have, um, well, my, my treatment, my surgery, and my chemotherapy in the Mercy um, hospital. I had um, the uh, treatment, the surgery for the tumour to be removed and then I had a couple of um, I think surprises in theatre so I had other bits and pieces and also a kidney, um, I lost a kidney so um, my recovery um, was a bit slower than the normal you know, before I could actually uh, go and have the chemotherapy but um, thankfully I got there and um, I had 30 weeks chemotherapy then every Monday and um, 
you know, it was tough. And um, to be honest, I, it was very tough at the end because I was getting tired, I think, and, you know, trying to stay, stay safe and um, to stay cocooned and keeping myself away from anybody with a sniffle and um, to get into every Monday to get in there to actually get the treatment. So, you know, um, cocooning isn't really new to cancer patients. You no. know, they have been doing this for years to try to stay safe so that they can actually um, make sure they can get the treatment the yeah. day you go in. It's nerve-wracking to know that, you know, once your bloods are okay and you kind of feel, oh, that's great, I can get it today. And that's all about staying safe and cocooning. So, yeah. you know... So, so are, you, are um, you still on treatment, Patricia? No, 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 I finished. I had 30 weeks treatment. And um, then six months later, um, my scans were clear. And um, to date, I've had no reoccurrence of the disease, which... You know, I'm very grateful yeah. for, but, um, you know, the treatment that I had, PJ, um, uh, for 30 weeks, people that are going through similar cancers at the moment, um, that treatment has advanced now so much through research and, you know, the different breakthroughs that it's not as hard on the body, it's not as invasive, and people are, I, I think, maybe just going in for every fortnight now and you know, there's brilliant new treatments that they can, you know, bring home slow release chemotherapy pumps and it's all giving a better quality of life. And that came in those few years only through research, Yeah. you know, and people investing in it. And, you know, you can see today that um, the money that has been put into the COVID vaccine, if that was put into cancer research, wow, it would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, because I'm sure there's loads, as Orla said, there are loads of projects I'm sure, you know, have been. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. 
getting slowed down and are probably sitting on shelves in the labs waiting now for, you know, for investment to get them over the line. And it's sad that it really only takes money, you know, globally to to actually give us that result, you know. Yeah, your your, your daughter um, had melanoma. How is she yeah. doing? She's great, yeah, she's good, all good, thankfully, and recovered. And, um, yeah, everything is perfect, thank God. We're very lucky. Yeah. Uh, unlucky one way, but very lucky to, to have come out the other end. Yeah. And uh, you have to stay positive. We, we, we've heard a lot. Um, Patricia, as you'll appreciate, since the start of the pandemic with regard to, right, we put all this attention on COVID, we have to try and keep ourselves safe, keep a hospital safe. But what about people worried about cancer, worried about their health, you know, who might have something that's bothering them? What advice would you have? Um, I would say, you know, don't ignore anything that's bothering you. Um, You know, don't put it on the back foot. It's really, really scary to have gone through cancer and to find, oh, gosh, you have a new ache or a pain or or something, and you're putting it off saying, oh, you know, I'm, oh, gosh, I don't want to go to the GP because I don't want to end up being sent into hospital for a test. And to be honest, you know, you cannot ignore cancer. You know, it's, it's, it's there and um, it needs to be dealt with and treated as fast as possible because down the line it makes it more difficult to get a suitable treatment if it has advanced. And, you know, the hospitals are under huge pressure, but they are staying as safe as possible and they're keeping you quite safe in there. I, I've had a COVID test myself, uh, not for COVID, to go into the hospital to actually have a procedure um, during this pandemic. And I, I did. I felt very safe in there. I felt that, you know, they were really, really doing their best under severe pressure. Mm -hmm. But I did go ahead with my procedure. And because I have had experience of cancer and I knew that I needed to do this for my own mental health. And thankfully, everything was okay. But I would say, keep in touch with your GP. The GPs are very compassionate, I think, to, you know, cancer patients or patients with all underlying diseases at the moment that are sitting back, you know, get in touch with your GP or the nurse and have a chat with them and, you know, just maybe voice your, your worries and maybe there's a way around it um, without having to go into hospital, but don't ignore anything really because, you know, a cancer is not something that we can park up. You know, it's, it's there and it's just bubbling away and it needs to be addressed. So don't be frightened because the hospitals are safe, you know, and yeah. I, I do think we have fabulous hospitals in Cork and great consultants and scientists and surgeons all collaborating together, PJ, you know, yeah. for research and to try and, and get that cure, you know. I mean, I remember Professor Jerry O'Sullivan saying once that at, um, um, he was speaking once and I, it's something he said that stuck with me. He said, you know, that um, we, we cannot... Um, predict the future but we can invent it and I think that was a very profound statement you know and we can invent you know the future through research you you mentioned you know anyone with symptoms don't not tell someone take me back um, Patricia to to your own your own case if you wouldn't mind for a minute Um, Uh, bowel cancer is very common so so what how did you first notice that something was wrong um, if I really, um, I had, I had very, I had no symptoms really at all. I had a little bit of um, blood in my stool, and I went to the GP about it. And you know, kind of, you have to wait, obviously, to go for a colonoscopy and what have you. But I, I had no real symptoms at all. It was just something I said in passing, and um, you know, um, within, I suppose. Um, maybe six or seven weeks I had had the colonoscopy and then surgery the following week but really and it was stage three bowel cancer so 
I, I really had no symptoms. Wow, that's that, and that's that a stark one. And, and you know that moment um, when the doctor says it's cancer. What's that like? Um, well, it's it's a very small little word, you know, with only six letters in it, cancer. But the impact, the the, the actual punch that comes from that word when it's delivered to you in a sentence is absolutely horrific. Can you remember the moment? I can, I can. I was sitting on the side of the bed in the Mercy and one of the um, one of the um, the regis came down, I think her name was Mary, I'll always remember that, and she said that the professor was going to speak with me and tell me, you know, in, in, you know, and then I kind of went, gosh, you know, I was kind of planning when I was going home to have my dinner, I was starving after being on the... Uh, Pickleax and everything for the for the colonoscopy, and I was thinking of going home and having a Chinese. Little did I think that, you know, I was heading down to the theatre, and um, he said that it was bowel cancer that they had found this quite quite a large tumour, and um, they would do further scans and tests in the next few hours, and um, and um, I would have to have it removed. And he was very, you know, didn't say too many words, Professor Jerry O'Sullivan. It was kind of, you know, that's it, and we'll. Can we sort it? And um, how did you react on the spot there and then? I, 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 I didn't. I just sat there. I just I was totally, totally. I was actually. I went into shock. I think I, I just couldn't even think or say anything. And um, I think I was like that for a little while. It was, it was just um, very emotional. And you know, you think you're going to start crying and all of these things, but you actually don't because you just feel very sad. You just, it, it's you actually feel very. I felt you very sad. Pardon? Were you afraid? I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. And to this day, I am still terrified. Um, it's, it's something I would not like to have a reoccurrence of. Um, it's a horrific disease. And, you know, it's there. It's not going away. It's, it has been there before COVID. And it will be there after COVID. And um, it's really, really frightening. And, you know, it's stealing our loved ones from us every single day of the week. And I think we have, you know, a huge responsibility to our children and our grandchildren to actually um, support breakthrough cancer research, to actually, you know, and you don't have to be a millionaire and, you know, give huge amounts of money. You know, every euro actually counts. And, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, get it in, get it into the labs and, you know, get, get the clinical trials going and, you know, get those, those treatments, um, yeah. those new treatments out there. Because, you know, that little bag of chemotherapy that you actually get in the ward, it, just, it doesn't arrive there, you know, miraculously. The fairies haven't brought it, you know. <laughs> it has, you know, been in labs. It has, you know, been, been um, got, you know, gone to clinical trials huge amounts of money have been invested in that drug and and other drugs that probably make up the cocktail of drugs that some people will get and that's huge huge money and you know unfortunately you know research depends an awful lot now in this climate on the actual public to to actually support it and donate it because and now more than ever with all the money going into um covid vaccines you know and all the Restrictions that are going to be there, the country is going to be that little bit poorer and maybe not able to invest as much in research. So I think it's up to ourselves to really see what money can do, you know, see what money has done to bring us the COVID vaccine and put, you know, that into breakthrough cancer research because, you know, it really is the only way to save lives. You said the chemo, even the chemo that you had, and it was a fairly harsh dose of chemo, that even that has been modified. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. It's not a severe... I spoke to somebody um, last year who, who had bowel cancer. And now, every cancer is different and every patient is different. And, you know, no two people will get the same cocktail of drugs, but similar, you know, similar, you know, similar ones. But it has, you know, given... They, their, their treatment wasn't as severe on the body. They, you know, they weren't as ill as I would have been going through it. It wasn't as toxic. And it left were, you with after effects, didn't it? Pardon? It left you with after effects. Oh, I, well, I have lung fibrosis now, and um, I had um, I had to have carpal tunnel. You know, uh, carpal tunnel in my hands from one of the drugs that I was given. Um, I lost my pins and needles in my hands and my face, and um, my feet. You know, I had to wear sort of. Um, if I was going out, you know, in the cold in my face, I had to have a kind of a covering like a balaclava on my face, oh. you know, because I was going through it in February and it, and it affected me that way. But, um, yeah, I, and the lung fibrosis, um, they're all, I suppose, fallout from from um, cancer treatments. But look, you know, at the end of the day, you need the cancer treatment and these yeah. are only small things to, yeah. to keep you alive and that you're still here. So... <laughs> At the end of the day, it's only a small thing. You, you, you mentioned, finally, you mentioned that you're cocooning since the very start of this, and you said, look, cocooning is nothing new for cancer patients. But at the same time, you, you must, now that your health is, is reasonably good again, you must be desperate to see the end of COVID so you can actually get out and live a little. Oh, absolutely. I would love to, I, I, I would love to you know, um, get the vaccine tomorrow, you know, and um, be able to go back to normal. But um, I don't think we'll have normal for a very long time. And that's why we have to live alongside COVID and not be scared about going to the GP and not be scared about the hospitals. We have amazing hospitals in Cork and amazing doctors and consultants, and they are safe. They're as safe as they can be. So my message would be, please don't ignore anything, you know, any pain or ache. Go to your GP, chat to them, and please, you know, go, do not cancel any of your own appointments. Go in and, you know, get taken care of and, and, and look after yourself. Do you know what I'd love to do, Patricia? I'd love to bottle your positivity. <laughs> we can send it to America. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself. Thank you. And, and your daughters. Thank you very much. That's uh, Patricia, 1850-715-996. And look, it's just a sad fact that the pandemic has taken all these resources away from other things. Hopefully, with the, with the arrival of the vaccines and we'll get it under control and we get it sorted, that everyone will go back to normal research, normal treatment. But it's very important for Patricia said her cancer had no symptoms other than something she noticed when she went to the toilet. Her cancer was one of the most common that, that they have. I, I lost a dear friend to it. I, I, I know how Anna, my father-in-law, had it and he passed away. So it's a very common and very aggressive and very nasty cancer that she had, but she got sorted. She'd no symptoms except for something she noticed when she went to the toilet. So, and don't be afraid to ring the doctor. Don't be afraid to call the doctor. And all the doctors have said this to doctor after doctor we've had on the show here. It's not a case that they won't see you. If you're worried about something, get in touch with the doctor. 1850-715-996 on Jerusalem. Uh, Betty says, I'm only waiting for some cranks to text in their complaints about the video. I think it's fair to say I speak for the rest of the country when it was outstanding. To see them give it socks to a joyful song against the backdrop of our beautiful country really made everyone smile. Thanks for all that you do. I feel so proud, says Betty. 
and Rachel in Ballancolic just watched the Jerusalem dance and it put a huge smile on my face. Well done, lads. You've made Ireland look so beautiful. Yeah, we, we had the cranks yesterday. We did. Yeah, someone put pepper in his tea in the mor- yesterday morning instead of sugar and just rang up and gave it socks down the phone. But sure, that's okay too. Another way we always have those strange job titles. Came across the, the weirdest one ever on, on LinkedIn in the last couple of days. Um, but remember we used to have fuel injection technicians, you know, petrol pump attendants. Or another guy that I knew one time, he described himself as a public transport revenue management officer. He's a flipping bus conductor. You know, we used to do that. The latest one now, this is startups, right? And startups, obviously, when you're trying to get support and funding and all this, you need to have a lot of meetings. So a startup, a startup called Slido, has appointed someone as the chief meetings designer. The what, Page? The chief meetings designer. I ask you. So this guy actually organizes, so someone organizes a meeting with a potential backer or investor or whatever, and this guy designs the meeting. You know? A bit like wedding by Frank, weddings by Frank, I suppose, you know? Meetings by, by Johnny. Chief Meetings Designer. Did you ever think you'd see the day? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. As part of a new online initiative from Cork County Council, acclaimed musician Jack O'Rourke will lead a series of free online evening classes to help participants learn more about the craft of songwriting. More information can be found at corkoco.ie. Access all areas. Due to extra demand, an extra Cork date has been added for Sarah Millican's Bobby Dazzler Tour, with tickets on sale now for the show from corkoperahouse.ie, taking place on October 14th. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Lisa. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Remember last week we were talking about the early years professionals survey. Uh, remember that? How so many people are just leaving uh, because they can't afford to stay working. And so many of them are underneath, under the poverty line. It's it's dreadful, given that they put so much work into our smallies. Uh, tomorrow there is an update. Um, they will take a virtual day of action to highlight what they say is poverty pay and working conditions. I'm sure we'll be coming back to that story, but there's definitely there's a virtual day of action now by the early years professionals tomorrow. 1850-715-996. Cork City Centre needs a central dog park that people can walk to rather than drive to. Dog park? 
is exactly what it sounds like. A place where you can take in the doggy, leave the doggy off the lead, let the doggy run around after a ball, or let the doggy meet other doggies and do what other doggies do. No, not that. Not that. But you know what I mean. There's a petition on change.org which is gathering a lot of signatures. Maureen Casey, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Delighted. So where did the idea come from? Well, I think every dog owner has always wanted somewhere they could leave their dog, go and play with other dogs, or like, as you said, throw a ball around for them. But since the pandemic started, it's become more clear there's not really any area within the city that you can do that without coming into conflict with the general public who might be afraid because they have a small child or because maybe your dog is bigger or faster. And so we're just kind of hoping that we can raise some awareness about this, especially as the restrictions continue. Um, These are not uncommon all over the world. A lot of American cities would have big dog parks. This is it. And like, if you talk to anyone who spent any time abroad, they'll say, oh, that's common. We were talking to one dog owner who said, I think he was in Germany. And as part of the dog license, you pay a little extra that goes towards the maintenance of these dog parks. So what what are they like? Are they just a big field? Obviously, they need to be fenced properly. Yeah, well, like, I mean, you've got a couple of versions. There's the really big ones which have, like, the supervision. And I know that there were proposals by the council for big ones like that out in Tremor Valley Park and Ballancolic Regional. But, like, from an owner perspective, what we just want is a small area that's, as you said, fenced in securely and just in the local parks that we can walk to and meet up with the owners and the dogs we know that we trust with our dogs. Mm. that they can just run around in and they can be free and then we don't have to have the anxiety of is someone going to be upset about them being off yeah. lead. I'm thinking like about that. somewhere maybe like Kennedy Park. Yeah, so like the one that we were using in the last couple of months for the during the lockdown was um, a group of us had been meeting in Tory Top or Balifahan Park. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and we were using the pitch in there which obviously we're not technically supposed to do but lack of options. Um but, like, we had a really successful group there. Dogs were meeting new dogs. People were bringing their puppies up. That was allowing them to socialize and learn how to be off lead. So even a small area in bears would be suitable. It doesn't need to be a giant area. It just needs to be enclosed. It needs to be safe. And it just needs to have enough space that they can run, basically. Yeah, so you started this petition looking for a thousand signatures you've got 1200 signed already originally we just were hoping to gather any sort of support the goal is changing because of change.org but we are overwhelmed by the number of signatures we got we didn't ever anticipate getting this many signatures and definitely not this soon so that just kind of goes to show how badly it is needed i think a lot of people have realized and lockdown has i think brought this the value of your dog and the value of letting your dog be a happy little dog because they'll bring happiness into your house. And if that means getting them out into a field to run after a ball or just run around and, and expend some energy, it makes them a happy little dog and, and they, make, they, they make your house a happier place. And it's so much more peaceful. Like if our dogs get off at lunchtime to run around with each other and play, they're absolutely passed out for the evening and we can go back to working from home without right. having to the constant interruptions of having to deal with them. That's right. Um, and a lot more people have gotten dogs because of the pandemic. Yes. We've met a lot of people who've gotten four or five-month-old puppies that now 
they, the most common thing you hear is, I wish I could leave them off lead, but they're not trained for it. They're not trained for it because we don't have an area to train them in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely... Any response to the petition so far? Um, so we've actually had quite a positive response. So originally we had a motion put forward for the Tory Top Park um, potential. Um, that was set for the 22nd of February. But then we actually were speaking to Councillor Dan Boyle and he said he'd get it put to a meeting yesterday. So right now we're waiting to hear what the outcome of that meeting would have been. Great. Um, but it's something we need in more than one park. It's not... It's not sufficient to have it in one place. Um, all the dogs of the city can't play in one dog park. It's no. It's going to be too big. Yeah. So it's something that needs to be on like a neighbourhood level. Okay. All right, listen, see where it goes. We might even talk again. Maureen, thank you very much. That's Maureen Casey. The petition is on change.org and it's for Cork City Council to open a dog park. 1850-715-996. Something completely different. First of all, remember Olive? Olive, who was on with me recently? Um, Frankfield Gospel Choir has recorded a version of Look Inside Your Heart. They did it virtually, virtually and all proceeds are going to Pieta. Uh, 1,200 euro raised so far. That's good work, lads. Frankfieldchoir.bandcamp.com where you'll get more information there. Also, someone's on the phone outside. We should put the TDs on the PUP. Put TDs on the PUP. Seeing as they're not visiting anybody in the constituency, they're not having clinics, and they're very, very fond of saying that the doll sitting is only a small part of the job. So put them on the PUP. 1857 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Big Saturday of live football coming up for you on the 96FM.ie website or indeed on our app. Premier League live with Trevor Welsh back again this Saturday exclusively online and powered by Talk Sport. Good lineup. Aston Villa against Arsenal. That's half 12. Newcastle United versus Southampton at 3. Fulham against West Ham at 5.30. And Trevor has Manchester United against Everton at 8 o'clock. It's the Premier League live online with Now TV. Stream live action from BT Sport and Premier Sports on the Now TV Sports Extra Pass and listen every Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. Big Saturday lineup with Trevor this and every Saturday afternoon. Now to mind the guests and the interviews and the analysis, he's got the whole package. Premier League live Saturday afternoon. Quick mention, the Cork Person of the Month for January has been named. It's Colin Moorhead. He's Admiral of the Royal Cork Yacht Club. And of course, and I felt so sorry for them. They were celebrating their 300th birthday last year and they had plans, oh boy had they plans, down at the RCYC to celebrate in style as only they know how. Uh, but it all had to go curher or cal, as it were. I've no doubt they'll celebrate in some style when they can again. But uh, Colin has been named as Cork Person of the Month for January 
of 2021 and congratulations. 1850 715 996, the number. The text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. If you've missed anything from the first two hours this morning, remember that our podcast goes up in early to mid-afternoon, goes up first on Twitter. We will uh, put a link on Twitter and then it goes to all of our various platforms, including, of course, the Cork's 96fm phone app. And you can download it and listen to it out for your afternoon walk or wherever you choose to do so. 1850-715-996. I want to focus for a few minutes on vaccines because it's everywhere. We've got three of them now that are being used or to be used in Ireland. We have Moderna, we have Pfizer, and we have AstraZeneca, which will start arriving here soon. We then have Sputnik, which the Russians are working on and is supposed to be an absolute home dinger altogether. And we have a few more coming in. And Luke O'Neill was saying to me the other day on the opinion line that by the summertime, we could have five or six vaccines being rolled out in this country, which would be great. And then we had the great news from AstraZeneca in the last 24 hours, which, of course, needs to be peer-reviewed. In other words, somebody else needs to do the research and return pretty much the same results. But they now believe that the AstraZeneca vaccine, the Oxford vaccine, will also reduce your chance of infecting somebody else, which is brilliant, because that was the big question, and the one they couldn't answer before they started putting the stuff in people's arms, is, okay, I won't get sick if I have this, but can I make somebody else sick? And we think, based on the early research, that the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, is, is preventing people from being infectious to a great extent. And also, I was reading something late last night that the Russians are very confident that the Sputnik might have that effectiveness as well we shall see but then last evening as always trust our wonderful department of health to throw something right (laughs) a spanner in the works they approved the AstraZeneca vaccine fine but they only want it used in the Pfizer, in the people under 70, they recommend that only the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine should be used for the over 70s, where that's practical and timely. It's not that there's anything wrong with using the AstraZeneca vaccine for older people. It's just that AstraZeneca doesn't seem to have done research in that age category to give you results that you can rely upon. Now, a lot of other countries across Europe also uh, have decided to do the same, that they're only going to give the AstraZeneca to younger people, i.e. people under the age of 70, maybe under the age of 65, because it's not been tested in the over 70s. Hence confusion. When will I get my vaccine? When will my mammy get her vaccine? When will, you know... So let's bring in uh, Councillor Dr. John Sheehan to try and clarify all of this. John, so much information coming in, it's hard to filter it, it's hard to get it into plain, simple English, so let us have a go. Is there anything wrong with the AstraZeneca vaccine? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. No, there isn't. Um, You you summed it up very well there, I have to say. And basically, there just isn't the data evidence in their study to show it working over the age of 65. There's nothing to suppose that it won't work or in the over 70s. 
um, rather, but they just haven't the numbers on their trial basis. So if the National Immunisation Committees are making these recommendations, they want to say, well, where is the evidence to show that it works in this age group? We have it for Pfizer, we have it for Moderna, but the, the, the trial in the AstraZeneca just don't have the numbers in that age group. So that's why they're saying we should use the others. There's nothing wrong with the vaccine. It seems to work fine. The evidence that it works is very strong, mm. but just not in that age group. So that they're taking that precautionary principle that um, if we have evidence for the other two then maybe we should be giving them in that age group and we can give the AstraZeneca in the other age group. It doesn't mean people are getting less of a vaccine, it just means that we have evidence for Mm. it working in a younger age group. It seems particularly exciting about AstraZeneca and I was reading as I said something late last night too about how the Russians are very hopeful of this with Sputnik which will come here eventually, we know that that um, the fact that I won't get sick if I've got an AstraZeneca shot, but also, John, that I won't make somebody else sick. They, 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 they think that they've cracked that one with AstraZeneca. Yes, and that would make a huge difference because, you know, a lot of this is about protecting people and protecting people who are vulnerable. So you want to protect the individuals themselves. But also you want to say, well, you know, if I go and visit my relative in a nursing home, I don't want to be bringing it in. I don't want to be spreading it around at home and I could be fine, but I'm still spreading it. Really, you want to do, I don't get sick, but I also aren't going to infect other people unbeknownst to myself. So if that is the case, then that's a really, really positive development. Let's look at how this changes our plan, though, because already, look, the rollout in Ireland has been criticised as being quite slow. I think we've gone over the 200,000 doses given out now between first and second. But because of this new thing with regard to AstraZeneca, not for the over 70s, it is going to change the rollout programme a bit, isn't it? It certainly is, and I'm, on, I'm along with most of my colleagues. We had uh, two and a half thousand GPs on a webinar last night about it, and we have these about twice, you know, once or twice a week, um, updating things because over the next three weeks, this is going to change a lot. But what, what's not going to change is that the vaccine and the numbers of people vaccinated are going to increase significantly over the next uh, couple of months. How it's going to be given, though, is certainly changing. You're absolutely correct because if we move from giving the uh, AstraZeneca, if we don't give that to the over 70s and now we're giving the, the Pfizer and Moderna, how we distribute that um, is more of a challenge because of the cold temperatures and the need to use it in batches and things like that. So it might rely more on back mass vaccination centres. However, there's, there's a lot that can be done. I mean, these once they're taught the Pfizer vaccine, you have a number of days that you can use it and kept in a fridge. You have to yeah. use it in batches. And, you know, it, it's, it's more problematic logistics. But it's very, sub, it's very doable, you know, and every practice in the country, along with vaccine, the HSE, are planning the rollout of this vaccine. And it's going to change over the next couple of weeks. But the vaccine will be rolled out. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. The programme where we started, and rightly so, I think, with healthcare professionals on the front line, and then some doctors like yourself got it, and I think they gave it to the practice nurses as well, and then in the nursing homes and the vaccinating, in the most vulnerable first. But what's going to happen is, isn't it, that there'd be a category of 70-year-olds and over who would have got the AstraZeneca, who now won't, and a lot of people are saying, well, can we then bring some people, as it were, up the queue 
for the AstraZeneca. Can, could you see that Absolutely. happening? Absolutely. I, I certainly could see that happening because if we're not using it for the over 70s, we're going to use it for other groups. And the most logical group that we use it are those higher risk individuals, people with heart disease, lung disease, um, all of those sort of who are immunocompromised. So certainly that's going to change the priority list. And I guarantee you, if I have this, we have this conversation next week and the week after, there will be changes in how it's going to be roll, rolled out. So it's, it's a very evolving situation because of these recommendations, because of availability, because of supply. You know, if we had the vaccine today, we could start giving it out today, but we don't. But in a couple of weeks' time, that's going to change. So I think the priority list is certainly going to change because now you have effectively two streams. You have the over 70s who are getting one vaccine or two vaccines and the under 70s who will be getting the AstraZeneca vaccine. So certainly that will change the priority list. But the more that are vaccinated, the better. As a doctor in the community, John, I suppose when we look to our, our GPs are, is, is, is clarity. And when we see news changing all the time and different statements here and different statements there, I think it's a lot of information on something that, let's be fair about it, very few of us would have bothered to read uh, even two years ago. Now it's, it's consuming every moment and every, every news bulletin. We're looking for more on what vaccine and when. So can you reassure us as a, as a GP in the community that people will get their dose and they will get it in time and they will get it as soon as possible? They certainly will. And really, I see a couple of big things in this, PJ. I see over the next couple of months making a huge difference because... Once the over 70s get vaccinated, I think that will make a huge difference because unfortunately, as we've seen, the majority of people who succumb to COVID are in the elderly age group and most of them are over 70. So if we can vaccinate them first as a priority, that should hopefully make give a huge amount of hope in terms of hospitalization, in terms of people having to be admitted to ICU, and in terms of people who pass away from it. There's still a significant risk from it, but that will at least protect the most vulnerable people in our population. So there is a lot of hope for this, and it will be rolled out over the next couple of months. The details are still being worked out, and you know we get emails and we get updates every day, and you know we're. We're, we're preparing for it. We're going through our anaphylaxis. We're going through our identifying our patients. All of that is happening. And once it rolls out, then it will start taking off quite fast. And once the over 70s get vaccinated, that will make a huge difference in terms of their vulnerability, in terms of their isolation, in terms of, you know, people in nursing homes. So, mm. you know, all of that stuff will start, will start having an effect. It'll take probably realistically to mid to end of summer before the whole population is vaccinated. But once the over 70s get vaccinated, that will make a huge difference, I think. Is it likely that we'll have to get our, a shot every year, John? Or that at least the most vulnerable will? Yes, that was discussed last night on our, on our webinar. And the difficulty, as we can see, is all these new strains that are emerging. Um, so it tends to give the impression to our scientists that it's, a, it's quite a fast-evolving uh, virus. So far, the vaccine seems to cover all of them. However, the feeling is that if it's changing to that degree, in 12 months' time, is it going to require a new vaccine or a booster vaccine? And the feeling is there probably will be a requirement, yeah. at least for the next few years, that we'll be getting something every year. Read in one of the British papers this morning where AstraZeneca are looking to go into, back into the lab uh, and, look, and, and take one of these new strains and, and try to adapt a shot 
that will that will do it. So they're working on it already. Yeah, because viruses are, are clever. They 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 change quite a lot. Um, you know, the flu every year we have a new flu vaccine. Um, so the feeling is that um you know it won't be one shot fits all it'll be it'll be a changing situation and the vaccines we're using now will probably be slightly different e- even in 6 months 12 months time as our experience and knowledge um improves mm. from the early days of, of the pandemic and it's you were lord mayor at the time and you and I I think probably first spoke about this pretty much coming up to 12 months ago now john um we've had an incredible scientific um collaboration to try to bring this under control haven't we it really is it's it's um it's so impressive to see the speed at which um these vaccines were made trialed and brought to market in a sort of a safe um, manner and that collaboration of the whole scientific community to drive that process from the very start was very encouraging and very you know heart heart-rendering really I suppose because this is our our, our escape out of this um, yeah. you know obviously we're doing all the measures and the, the isolation but that can't go on forever mm. you know it's going to go on probably longer than people think and even when we're vaccinated um, I'm, people are, are, are going to be used to social distancing and it will take a long time yeah. for us to change that habit. Even now when I watch a movie on TV and you see all these people crowded together, it just looks wrong. At it the does, moment. doesn't it? Yes, you get the, the weird feeling from it. So I think that, that will be with us for a while. But yeah, they, they, the response to it and how people have responded to it has been perhaps the most heart-rendering bit of this and inspiring bit of all of this. All right, listen, thank you very much for clarifying it. What someone is saying here is talk that it mightn't even be given to anyone over 55, this is the AstraZeneca, and I don't see anywhere like that in the press statement from last evening. That didn't come up in your, in your webinar, no? No, there was no evidence, uh, um, and okay. the immunizations last night, no. All right, very good. Listen, thanks very much for that. That's uh, Councillor uh, Dr. John Sheehan, 1857 I hope that clarifies it for you. It will change from week to week. A lot of people, if you look at social media... Um, which bad for your health anyway. But if you look at if you look at social media, you see all sorts of um, vaccinologists and immunologists and 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 bullshitologists telling us that we can't do this and we can't do that, and, and no one knows what they're doing, and it's all this and it's all that. For the most part, they know what they're at, and this will change week in week out. It'll change month in month out, but. Do you know what I take heart from? We were talking on Monday or Tuesday about how, you know, this is hard and this is tough and we're bored with it and we're fed up with it and we're sick of it. Sick, sick, sick of it. And I don't mean sick from the virus. We're just sick of it. If we get our shots in our arms by this time next year, we could be back in the pub, back in the restaurant, back going on holidays. We could be if we all just pull together, keep washing the hands, keep doing what we're told and get your shot and get out of trouble and that's the dream I think right now get get out of trouble we could also be fighting another variant but what they will do is they'll go back into the labs and they'll tackle that science will win at the end of the day I've no doubt about it 185-1996 here's one a big question mark over the Oxford vaccine we've been told all along it was the answer to our prayers but now it seems not so we've been hearing uh, recently that it was as low as 10% effective 
Could that have been the real reason for the hoo-ha in Europe? I haven't read anything to uh, corroborate that. 10% effective. I don't know where you got that from. I think we can close the book on infectious diseases. I doubt it somehow. They'll be with us forever. I'm actually watching. There's a very good documentary. I know I'm probably a junkie at this stage. There's a very good documentary on Netflix, which I started watching in the last couple of days. It's called Pandemic. And it's, I think it's an eight or nine parter, about an hour long. It's quite intensive. It's really brilliant. It's based upon the premise that there's a whole... um, scientific research program globally now trying to invent or perfect or design or whatever you do structure a vaccine that will tackle every possible variant of the flu every one of them it's a huge international program and they're preparing for the next pandemic now the scary bit was that this documentary was made um, this documentary was made before this pandemic. Yeah, that's coming from Germany, that 10% figure. Okay, thanks for that. Fergal has found it all right. I... Oh, you don't know, do you? You don't know, do you? You don't know. But we have to believe. We have to believe that we will be all right. Because if you don't believe you'll be all right, you won't be all right. 1850-715-996 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors Leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie Social media is full of influencers Telling you what to wear, how to live and what to say Well now it's your chance to tell us what to play Choose our tunes and become a music influencer to win cash with Cork's 96FM. The Monster Music Survey. Take part for your chance to win €1,000. To get involved, go to 96FM.ie and click the survey link. Or check out our social media pages. Become a Cork's 96FM music influencer. Do the Monster Music Survey now and you could win cash. See 96FM.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, the executive research desk of the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Um, I, I often say Fergal is is the, the font of all joy. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is that whenever he goes to the dark side and predicts the dark side, Booger is right. And he's been right all along. I just hope he's wrong today. 1850 Let us go. Yesterday on the program, we came, there was an idea. Was it Olive? There was an idea yesterday that we would give free bus passage to anybody on the front line. Anyone would show their nursing badge or their doctor's ID or paramedics or porters or anybody on the front line. And they would just walk on and off of the bus and no one would charge them. And I think that's a wonderful idea. And we might follow it up with the NBRU, see would they be up for it. But anyway, that's that, 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 that's that. It was Sandra. Thanks, Terry. It was Sandra who came up with that idea yesterday. Um, but somebody 
is offering free services of another kind to frontliners. Caroline, good morning to you. Hi, BJ. How are you? Good. Free dog walking. Exactly. Free dog walking. Tell me about it. So, um, it's myself and my friend Rachel. We we live together in the city. And basically, we were walking one night, um, as we do every night at the moment. And we were on one of our many walks and we saw an elderly woman hand her dog out to another woman. And it was then Rachel kind of said, wouldn't it be great if we could relieve some stress for the elderly by offering to take their dogs for a walk? And with the weather and everything at the moment, you know, dogs might not be getting out as much as they usually would. Um, So we thought it'd be great for the dogs as well. So from there, then the idea kind of grew. And we decided to ask anyone reluctant to go outside and also to ask our essential workers because they're obviously extremely busy at the moment um, doing fantastic work. So we thought it'd be great to relieve them of some stress as well if we can. Right. Um, so yeah, a free dog walking service in Cork City Centre. Okay, and anyone can avail of it. Anyone on the front line? Yeah, anyone on the front line, or elderly workers, or anyone anyway, a bit reluctant to go outside. You know, might be an underlying condition or anything at all. Um, just anyone that's feeling a bit of the pressure at the moment. Um, we decided that it'd be great if we could help them out a little bit. And how can they get in touch with you? So people can contact us. We have an email address. It's corkdogwalks at gmail.com and we'll get back to them as soon as possible. Or we can give our number as well to um, Fergal, your producer there. And if they want to give a ring in, we can, they can give us a buzz as well. Corkdogwalks at gmail.com. Are you on Facebook or anything? Um, we don't. We put out a few ads as well on Facebook, um, just on the kind of Black Rock page and stuff. So they can find us there as well if they want to. Great. Um, but it's mainly the email address courtdogbox@gmail.com. All right. Listen, it's a lovely, kind gesture, and and thank yeah. you for doing no it. No problem at all. Take care. That's Caroline. Uh, Walks at gmail.com if you're a nurse or a doctor, anybody doing any kind of frontline work, you don't have time to walk the dog, or if you're elderly and you're afraid to go out and you need to walk the dog, they'll do it for you. It's great. That's lovely. That's a fabulous sense of community and a sense of metal uh, coming together. Speaking of community, lads, can we throw up? Because they're still there. Can we pull out the, com- the community call numbers and I'll read them out before we go today. I just think it's a, we should probably give them out every so often. Um, yeah, Ken. Yes, can PJ not ask the question, when will we get the vaccine? When, when, when? Yes, Ken, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you at all the problem, no one can tell you they can only tell you that they give it out when they have it they're getting tens of thousands of doses every week and they're giving them out according to a list of priorities uh, myself taking my age and the fact that I'm in generally robust health uh, up to last week I figured that I would get my vaccine probably in May uh, I'm now thinking it'll be more like June given the supplies coming in but yeah it would be great if we all knew for certain, if there was some way that any one of us could ring our GP or go on to, say, a HSE website and put in your age and put in this, that and the other, and you get an approximate an approximate time as to when you'll get your vaccine based on your category and your underlying conditions and your general state of health. But, Ken, yes, I, I completely agree with you. We're way behind on the vaccinations. The UK has 10 million done. Another year out of my life is a big thing. There's an old saying, you don't plough a field by talking about it. I'm in despair. I want to know when the hell we're going to get them. Well, there is a thing with this whole Europe, and I have to say I'm not happy with it because I've been looking into it. And I asked Fergal to look into it for me. Um, this notion that we have to wait to get them from the EU. 
we do not, we do absolutely not have to wait to get them from the EU. If we wanted to buy them from the country of origin, we can do that if we want to. Uh, waiting for the EU to buy them and then we getting them from the EU just slows things down. So why why can't we buy our own? That would be a good idea. Um, and no one seems... To, there are countries buying their own. There are countries all over Europe looking at buying their own. Tom says with the Russian vax, I'd say it's as good as any of the others. The West needs to give Russia the credit it deserves on this one. Maybe East-West propaganda is at play. You're not wrong, Tom. You're not wrong at all about that. From what you read about Sputnik, it's brilliant. They're talking about 95% effective, or 90% anyway, and they're talking about definitely having uh, the, 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 the advantage that once you get it, you cease to be infectious as well as infected, which is great. But you're right. We don't, when something's coming, oh, we don't trust them Russians. You know, they might actually be good at something. 1850. I mean, look at the... Where would we be, where would we be without vodka? 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Make sure you're with me for your afternoon pick-me-up with the biggest tunes, some throwback Thursday anthems and everything you need to fly you through the day. See ya from 12. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Kevin says, yes, we do have to wait for the EU, really, because if other countries start buying them separately, all it does is slow down everything in production. They can only produce X amount. Increased customers doesn't mean increased stock. No, probably not. But if you look at us here, Kevin, down in Ringskitty, we've got this massive pharmaceutical industry. Maybe an old factory could be repurposed and done reasonably quick. You'd hope, wouldn't you? You know, there's got to be more than one idea in a situation like this than just waiting for them to come for the EU. Because if anything goes wrong on that supply chain, you need another one. 1850-715-996. Have a listen to this. Yeah, that's Emma Sophia. We talked to Emma's mom, Mary, uh, last year when she set up the Emma Sophia show. <laughs> Cute. It doesn't even go there, Mary. Good morning. Oh, she's a rogue. How are you, PJ? <laughs> How are you getting on? Great, thanks. And yourself? Good, good, good. So uh, the reason we wanted to play that is, like, she's only three. Yeah, well, she's four now. She was three whenever we were in the first lockdown. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, she um, she has a, a great capacity for learning songs very quickly. Yeah. And, yeah, so we, we decided to try and um, encourage her with music and use the lockdown to um, to spark her love of music and just encourage her as much as possible to um, just to 
further her musical um, endeavours. Which is where we want to develop a little yeah. bit because, you know, children soak soak up stuff like a sponge. Languages, they soak up, like you said, she has a great capacity for song words. They soak it up like a sponge. They really do. And encouraging kids to learn music and learn about music and learn to appreciate and to love music, Mm -hmm. there's no greater gift. Oh, no, and it'll stand to them forever. You know, the the younger that you can start with, the better. I mean, uh, it requires memory work to learn the lyrics. You have to use your listening skills to learn the rhythm, the melody, and then that requires concentration, that aids discipline. Uh, And then to perform a song, you have to practice it. And there again, that's discipline. You're learning about um, dynamics and speed and mood of a song. And then if you're going to perform it, you learn confidence skills. So there's just so much. And when I say perform it, even just perform for your parents or make a video for grandparents, it's, that's a performance, you know? So yeah. it, it develops confidence. It, there's just so, it's a multifaceted approach. It just does so much for kids. Mind you, when I, when I think of my, my own younger years, um, some, some, somebody put a recorder in my hand um, and I know where my mother would rather have put it. Um, and, and then I remembered the, the tin whistle, which I, I did become quite good at. But I, I'd say my practice sessions must have been murder for, for, for my poor parents. But it is all part of it, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And no instrument is going to sound good whenever you start with it. It's all about persevering and sticking with it, putting in the time for practice. And again, that's where the discipline and concentration comes in that's going to stand to kids in other subjects. And even with counting in music, that helps with maths later on. And, you know, there's, there's just so many benefits to it. Yeah. It's also a distraction because, you know, there's un- it, they're spending hours at home. Mm-hmm. You know, the weather isn't good enough to let them out an awful lot of the time. Yeah. And even if you do let them out, it's, it's very restricted because they can't mingle with other kids. So they're missing yeah. out on a whole lot of what normal smallies would have so to give them music is a great gift oh absolutely and i think some parents are maybe a little bit nervous of the idea of teaching or introducing music because they feel that they're not musicians themselves yeah but there's so much that people can do you know you could encourage your kids to um to create a percussion ensemble using pots and pans uh crash um two pot lids together and you've got cymbals yeah uh, fill a bottle with rice and you've got a shaker you know there's and they could go around the house playing their percussion instruments, maybe not if you're on a Zoom call or something. But, yeah. but they could have great fun with that or do some painting to music, listen to a piece of music, see what they think of, the, what mood it creates and what that inspires them to paint. Mm. Um, you know, there's just so much they could do. Um, the Carnival of the Animals, uh, by uh, Sasson. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's brilliant. The, it, each piece depicts an animal. Uh, whenever I, I, I teach music in a primary school and whenever I play pieces from that work, it's just so funny to hear what the smallies come out of. It, it could be something completely random. Yeah. You know, you could be playing the swan and they might say, it's a dinosaur tromping through a forest, eating all the animals. <laughs> Well, actually, it's a great forgotten song, that that's, that's a beautiful that's piece of work. That yeah. So you get, and you grab it on. It's on Spotify. Like you get it on oh, Spotify and play it on the. Yeah, that's everywhere. brilliant. Yeah. So yeah. get the kids to go around the, the the kitchen and and do a different dance or a different march to each part of that. Yeah, that's absolutely. Brilliant. That's yeah, cool. and Strauss is fabulous for dancing too as well. I mean, obviously, kids are going to dance to pop music all the time, but yeah. you may as well introduce them to some classical music. Uh, because they're not really going to hear orchestras otherwise, you know. So if Strauss, uh, the Trich Trap 
polka. Oh, uh, brilliant mark. Yeah, they're fabulous just to run around the room and dance. When I was a kid, my sister and I used to dance to the Blue Danube all the time. And we uh, we wore the record. <laughs> Take all the cushions off the sofa. We'd be jumping up and down, twirling around the room. It's it's just fabulous. It's a great release of energy and... <laughs> I suppose, Mary, listening to you and when I tell people that you were part of a band called Affinity, which we remember, you know, they'll say, ah, yeah, it's easy for her. (laughs) You know, she's a musician. Well, no, the way I look on it, okay, so I might be a professional musician, but the term amateur musician, um, it's derived from the Latin verb ame, which is I love of. So anybody who loves music is an amateur musician. So there you go, straight away, everybody is a musician. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so any advice on how parents might start? So you've got a three or four or five year old, they're bored. You yourself love music. How do you, how do you bring them into that circle? And that's the start. Yeah, well, kids, they, they love YouTube nowadays, don't they? And I mean, parents, we're always trying to stop them watching it. But if you find something quality, like quality, playing quality music, find an orchestra. Let them look at the different instruments of the orchestra. Um, there's a fabulous website the New York Philharmonic Orchestra have, uh, it's, especially for kids. It's nyphilkids.org. And um, it, it, it's an interactive site. Kids can learn about musical instruments. They can play puzzles. Um, they can match the sounds to the different instruments. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And um, then just painting to music as well, just releasing their, um, just what, what they imagine the music to be, to put that onto paper and just draw. Do you know um, what it does as well? It distracts, it distracts them because they're at the age oh, when totally. they're three or four yep. or five. They're getting worried if you're worried. So if yep. you put music on in the house, I find this happens. I, I, I know that there are certain times in the week that all I want to do is put some music on. Yeah. And, and, and it, I just love that. And I think kids will be the same. Like you just put some music on and they know that it's going to get more relaxed. We'll have some fun. And they'll say, Mom, what's that? And yep. then you got the opener. Then you got exactly. the opener. Exactly. And if you wanted to um, to make a game out of it as well, you know, there's uh, you, you could do body percussion and create sounds and then maybe write a different symbol for the different sounds that you're creating, like maybe finger clicks, um, tap, chest taps, um, knee, knee taps, you know, just making different sounds mm. with their own bodies. And um, that, that could be fun. Maybe an, another idea would be uh, with Valentine's Day and Mother's Day and St. Patrick's Day coming up just to learn a song. Uh, to listen to it over and learn the words, learn the melody, and then maybe make a little video of it and send to grandparents as a surprise. Oh, um, that's a wonderful idea. It would be a nice surprise for people whenever they, we don't have that physical contact. Like, even if, it, say, for a small child, the Barney song, I Love You, um, you know, just to, to learn that, record it, send it off, that would make somebody's day, you oh, know? That, that, that's really nice. Mary, listen, some yeah. great ideas, and thanks very much. And the, I, does, she, does she still have the show happening every Wednesday? Um, not at the moment. We did do a Christmas special, but we're, she's working on um, Donny Boy for St. Patrick's Day, so we're going to be put, posting a video Lovely. of that. Lovely. All right. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, love, I love the Halfway Down the Stairs song. Oh, yeah. Because I love that song as well. Thanks very much, Mary McCaig. If you want to look up those little videos, she's the cutest little thing. Emma Sophia Show. You'll find it on YouTube. She's got her own channel with all those videos on it. Get your kids into music. If you like it, they'll like it. 1850-715-996. On the free dog walking for frontliners, Dominic says, just get the government to pay them properly. That's what frontliners would really like.
we get that, Dominic, but sometimes they might like their little dog walked as well. And all the money in the world won't buy you the time to walk the doggy. Also on vaccines, the 13 billion the government gave back to Apple would have bought a hell of a lot of vaccines. Well, the court cases kind of worked out afterwards that sort of that was the right thing to do. John fears that people like him who don't want to take the vaccine, if they're fearful, it'll be well, as they're fearful of it, will be excluded from jobs, travel, public transport because of the pro-vaccine vibe in government and in business. And on this program, John, get out and get your vaccine. It won't do you any harm. Get out and get it. It's free. Richard Chambers from Virgin Media is tweeting that people before profit are to meet Sinn Féin today to call on Sinn Féin to join them in pushing for a zero COVID policy, which is interesting. 1850-715-996. We're following that one. We talked about zero COVID for quite a amount of the programme yesterday. I've no doubt we will talk about it again. I think we got it out of our heads now, the notion that zero COVID means never again getting another case. That's not the way it is at all. And I think most people with three functioning brain cells understand that at this stage. It's just can we get it done and do it our way. If you can't do it in the New Zealand way, try and do it our own way in a way that suits us, which will be a great... And I've no doubt we'll come back to it again. 1850-715-996, some news. Uh, Aaron Hill, young Cork snooker legend, already a legend after beating Ronnie O'Sullivan last year. He is on Eurosport this afternoon, 3 o'clock, and the snooker shootout. Thanks, Stephen, for that, uh, that information. Um, on the music, we keep the link by asking the grandparents to sing some simple songs in nursery rhymes and building it up to a verse or two from other songs. At the end of the recording, they say goodnight and the child's name. They love it. They try really hard to learn the songs. That's someone that I think is getting into that big time. 1850-715-996. Before we go today... The lads were talking about this on the breakfast show yesterday morning and it was in the newspaper. The invasion of frogs in Baltimore. Now, it's not an invasion as such. It happens every year. Huge numbers of frogs come into spawn in a pond in Baltimore. It's a pond that's owned by the O'Flynn family. But this year, they're early and there are more of them. Thousands of them. Thousands of frogs. So I decided I need to find out more about this. So I got in contact with the aforementioned O'Flynn family. So I have the whole O'Flynn family here with me right now. Who's who? I'm Richard. The first one here is Izzy. Daughter Izzy's 10. Holly is 11. And Maya is 7. And Holly is the... Frog Queen of Baltimore, I believe. She's a Frog Queen of Baltimore, yeah. I christened her. I got up in an awful lot of trouble for that one. They're very early. When did you see them first, Holly? Um, we started seeing them St. Bridges Day. St. Bridges Day, yeah. Monday, so, yeah. yeah. And Richard, when would you normally see them? Normally, we wouldn't see them until towards the sort of 20th to 25th of the month depending on as long as it was mild at that time of year. But normally they come in, and not in as big numbers. The numbers this year are quite big for some reason. Yeah, describe what you can see when you stand and look at the water. Well, the pond itself, uh, we made ourselves in an, an area next to the house when we, when we built the house 20-odd years ago, and it's about the size of a tennis court. Hmm. And literally, the first six or seven feet, the whole way around the entire pond 
is will go full with frogs mating for the next week or so, uh, all all day every day. But at night is their their highest point of activity. That's when they keep us all awake at night with their croaking. Do they make noise? Oh yeah, yeah. They call each other. You see, the males call the females and vice versa. So they croak constantly uh, until they find each other in the pond. And uh, and then they'll be literally maybe in the guts of a week they'll come and go, and a week later one day you'll go out there and they'll all be gone. Yeah, it's a very short stage like that that spawning stage because what you got have you seen tadpoles and spawn before, Holly? Yeah. 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 Normally we bring a bit of frog spawn into in a tank. Yeah. I bring it to our school. Yeah. To Ran National School. And you, and you watch them grow. That's fascinating, isn't it? I always used to love that when I was your age. A big jar of them. Yeah, in our days, you were allowed to do it at your home, weren't you, BJ? But yeah. nowadays, there's only the schools you're allowed to do it. So we take them into the schools and leave them there with the young play, place kids uh, for five or six weeks until they become frogs. I, I think I might have been half responsible for the ban on homes, really, myself. Because <laughs> I remember one, one year bringing a big tank of them in and they were there in the kitchen until one morning they weren't. And, and my mother said, there's frogs everywhere. Get down here quick. <laughs> they had got out of the bowl. <laughs> well, we have that same problem come uh, the start of the spring when the babies start coming out of the pond. Hmm. So we have millions of small frogs come out. And of course, because it's in the middle of the garden, it means I've got to stop cutting the grass for about two weeks because otherwise it's mayhem. You can imagine, because literally you'll go out there and as you're walking through the garden, the grass is alive and starts hopping in front of you. Wow, that must be some sight. Have you pictures? Yeah, we have from last year, yeah. We'll send you more this year when they're all babies. The babies are everywhere when they're small. Yeah, and they just, where do they go then? Well, because we're on the side of a hill in Baltimore, outside the village, there's bog areas, probably five or six different directions from where we live. Hmm. So they all head off to the bogs and they live in damp bog areas, not necessarily in water, but they spawn in water. Yeah. So they always come back to where the where the water is. They always come back to where they were born, in fact. Yeah. So the more that are born here, the more that'll come back next year. And of course, we live in a dead end, so there's no cars passing or no there's no farmers digging up the the land here because the land is so bad it's only for horses yeah. uh, so there's nobody doing anything that'll hurt them or affect them Great. so they're just they multiply more and more every year Holly you're doing school on Zoom I know at the moment so you have more of an opportunity to watch them so have you yeah we we've been keeping them in our school for a couple of years now and um, every time, whenever they turn into frogs, we bring them back to the pond and, and set them free. Yeah, yeah, that's the right thing to do with them. That's the right thing to do with them. Well, listen, guys, I, I hope that the weather improves over the next while so that you can watch them and have some fun with them. And yeah, I'd love to see some some vi- video or some pictures when they come out and start jumping around the garden. i say that's fascinating. It is fascinating. It's loads of fun. They spend all day after school normally when they're allowed in school. Hopefully that won't be too long because, you know, Mrs. O'Flynn is going mad with home teaching at the moment. <laughs> so we're, we're hoping the school opens up soon. Yeah. You have plenty of time in your hands, unfortunately, Richard, at the moment, business being the way it is. The building we're in is an old restaurant, but the business is a gallery. So it's a gallery and gift shop where we have... Uh, we have only one law that everybody who brings stuff to for sale in the gallery has to live within 30 miles of the shop where they can't bring their stuff. So we have about 50 local artists and craftspeople all in the same under the same roof. 
but it's a converted old Shea Ewan's converted restaurant. And of course, it was a French restaurant, so the frogs were doing popular there too. <laughs> I'm sure that's not going down too well with your audience behind you. <laughs> Richard and Holly and, and Izzy, and who else is there that I'm missing? Maya. Thanks very much for talking to us. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Lovely family, the Flins in Baltimore with their thousands and thousands. I just hope, given the weather forecast for the next a few days, that they won't freeze. I hope that pond doesn't freeze hard because that would be terrible. 1850-715-996. That's it for today. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.